Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, we talk about many Alkaline Trio songs, because it's the top five, baby! It's the final countdown. Put that now the bit, and I don't know if I'll do it because we're gonna have to see if if it works in any way. It probably won't, but maybe there's like some miracle where I can put every song that we have and just play the beginning at the same time. That would be, be great. Able to, it'd be nice if you could like make out certain parts, but it might just be like when you mix too many watercolors together and you just have brown. I kind of hope it's just brown, personally. Dude, it'd be crazy because, I mean, think about this band. There's not a lot of brown going on. No, no, they aren't, they aren't really a brown band in my brain. <laughs> As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week... We talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week we are wrapping it up sort of like the way that they do on your favorite sitcoms, mm-hmm. second to last episode. What is it? It's a clip show, baby. You got the clip show. And you also have uh, the two of us. My name is Tim. My friend here is named David, mm-hmm. and we just recorded a very long episode of Q&A for our Patreon, patreon.com slash as, as you, you was, and as we've been sort of uh, marking over the over the course of this podcast, anytime we do one of those Patreons, we're real freewheeling. Yep. We come in and we're just loose, 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 um, but... Actually, I think that that's one of the things I've been looking forward to about this particular episode of the podcast, David, is that we definitely have a mode yes. for how we talk about this stuff. And I think that it's maybe a chance to like get out of character a little mm-hmm. bit and just like yeah. shoot shit. Because um, if you're listening at this point, that means that you've been with us for a while, yeah. and we are very, very fucking appreciative of that, um, humbled beyond belief. And we, I personally kind of, I, I, I like the opportunity of just being like, what's up, David? How yeah. are you? Into yeah, a I mean, that's the thing is, as you were saying, we're a little more free over on the Patreon because you know it's it's hitting a smaller core uh, of homies, but you know, I think this will be fun because it's just yeah, I I think what uh, you often see over there and hopefully comes through here is just a little more uh, a little more candid. Mm-hmm. And this episode, which is Tim's brainchild, and I really love, is uh, I think it'll be a little more of that because we're just kind of kind of going to be talking personal faves, basically. Definitely, and I think a chance for us to kind of look back and also Mm -hmm. like fuck man like there there are also some things that i realized looking at my list that i i i'm like oh and you know i didn't get a chance to say 
some of the thoughts that I have about these songs. Yeah, it's funny how that works, because you talk about them for, like, you talk about one song that is usually about three minutes long in full for a half an hour, and somehow you miss an important detail somehow. I don't know how it happens, but it happens. Well, sometimes it happens because some somebody you don't know is just like, oh, I'm going to be on the episode today uh, randomly, and uh, we're going to talk about a song that I chose. Um, Hi, Tim. Nice to meet you. Um, you know. Yes. Not to... Um, He's talking about Brennan Kelly. We get it. Yeah, totally. Uh, my my, The person I, I edit podcasts for. Yep. Oh my God. Brendan so Kelly. Yeah. Brendan Kelly, of course. Who else would I be talking about? Um, David. Tim. My list is numbered. Yours is not. No, I could not. In So, here. When we came up with this, I had to go through and I had a list of 15 songs in the running. Mm-hmm. I had to call it down to five. Uh huh. I called it down to five. But I cannot, in good faith, put these in a straight order. I've got a rough idea if I had to, but I don't think I can. And I sort of went one, two, three. I know that these three songs are in my top five. No two ways about it. And I think I added six or seven just in the process of putting it together and by six or seven i was like you know what i'm i can feel myself reaching sure sure let's let's preen it and i think that my number rankings there are going to be a few that are like you know going to change in two weeks yeah but. sure sure that's the, that's the nature of it you know what for, for the sake of it I'm locking in my list a certain way. We're gonna roll with it that way. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll Ooh. with it. Let's say I I now have a top five numbered. What? All right. Well, fucking number five, David Anthony. What do you got? Maybe I'll catch fire. Um, I uh, this is one that I didn't initially think was gonna make the list, but the more I thought about it, and the more I thought about the song, it's just like one. I think it's because it's just been part of my being for so long. Yeah. But I think this is like expert level songcraft. I think it's genius musically, lyrically. It does so much stuff I like and is so um, kind of like emblematic of the band in that period of time. And mm-hmm. I just think it's a fucking great Dan song. I think it's a killer early Dan song that like fits perfectly into the canon. And I feel... I don't know. I'm just always so stoked when I hear it. And I think that's the thing I was really thinking about is like songs that when they come on, I'm just like, fuck yeah. And this is one that um, just really kind of proved to be that for me in a way that I, again, I don't know if I would have expected to choose this, but I, I really like it. I think looking at, at Dan's work, this is the first best Dan song. That's kind of my thing is I, when I was really breaking it down, you know, and, and we'll get more into it as we go through and maybe we'll see, I don't know what you picked. You don't know what I picked. So we're, we're both going through it and I've got some points to make that I'll save later. But I think I was just really realizing how I feel like maybe I'll catch fire is like his coming out party to a degree. Yeah. Like, obviously I 
love a message from Kathleen. Enjoy your day. And, and you know, the I lied my face off songs, but this is the one where I'm like, man, he's really like, it's where he's got an economy of motion through his songwriting. You know, the songs are a little shorter and they, they do things that I just don't see anyone else doing. Like I don't see Matt making these kinds of decisions. I think just the riffing in it is really nice. The song feels kind of like secretly heavy, but still has this real like genuine heart to it in a way. And it, it just really came to represent like everything that I think is so special about that era of this band, like from the fucking like song title and like just the weirdness in it and the like awkwardness that feels really genuine. It just, it really hits on a lot of cylinders. I think it's one of the, one of the better, um, it's a long intro, yep. long guitar intro. Um, and I think it's it's a really cool it's one of Matt's best performances, I think, by yeah. far. His octaves when he throws them in are so smartly placed, they feel just so colossal. I also I think one thing that gets me every time and I and I've I manage to like not remember it each time I listen to it, but Dan's vocals are just yeah. so like dry mm-hmm. like his throat is like feeling it a little bit and you can really hear it hear it in the verses yeah this is such a fucking great song yeah great and pick. it's just i think the for me too it's there's a certain kind of song where to me the way it ends feels so triumphant and yeah. uplifting while not like changing the tenor of the song yeah and i think that's a really difficult thing to do and i find it really impressive and yeah, this is one that I, I, I kind of wrote down, and there are others that were kind of like, I think in my head, ahead of it, but I just, when I really sat and thought about it, it needed to make the list for me. Hell yeah. What do you got at number five? Number five? This is my uh, this is my controversial pick. Ooh. The thing about top five lists is that I love, I love a number five. That is, it's got to be in the top five. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's no way around it being in the top five. But to say that there are four songs that I like better than this one might surprise some people. Number five, Bleeder. Ooh, baby. Now, we don't know each other's lists. Is this in your top five? No. Oh! I know, I know, I know. So so I think I personally, my favorite episode of this podcast. I agree. I agree. I mean, I I was going to say that and it almost got included. One, I fucking love the song. Yeah. There's another song that is very tied to a similar emotion mentally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm only, I think I can only pick one of them. And Mm -hmm. part of that for me was I didn't. And we can get into it, but I didn't want to just have a top five Matt songs, which those are the ones that kind of imprinted on me more. And I, I made a decision to, to to really think and shake it up, and that's what I did. But mm-hmm. if I if had I not done that, it would be here. It's yep. fucking great. It's a perfect song to me. Yeah, um, absolutely, one thousand percent. And um, you know. I think that we said everything that we could have said about the song itself in that yes. episode. 
um as far as as far as recording this podcast together with yes. you um i i remember that conversation very vividly me too i mean i i genuinely it's not uh uh in our Patreon Q&A, someone asked if, like, you were making a playlist to get someone in Alkaline Trio, what would it be? And I was like, well, if I was, like, trying to get someone into this podcast, I would say that's the best episode. Do not start with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and that's my honest feeling is, like, I, I have so much appreciation. Um, I love that song and I've loved it for so long. And I think that pod, that episode really shows a lot of, like, what this was all was for, you mm-hmm. know, and what the purpose of this was. And... I felt bad not including it here because it it is such a fucking all timer for me. But again, I, as I said, there were like fifteen songs in contention, and like several of them are ones that I went on and on about about how fucking great they were. So it's like you know, I had to I shook things up a little bit. Um, yeah. But I'm glad. Part of the reason too is that I was like, I feel like Tim's gonna pick this, so we'll still get to talk about it. Uh, and I yeah. was kind of hedging that like. <clears throat> excuse me that like i might get i might look out and you'll pick it and we'll get to say what we want to say about it mm-hmm. so thank you yeah um i was i was worried about um about kind of screwing up the uh the flow of this of this podcast by by saying all right well my number five pick might be your number one um it, it, it could have been yeah um i you and i are are uh we're very similar people we're very different people mm-hmm. um i i feel like i maybe share more about uh my personal self mm-hmm. uh than than you do um everything that you said on the bleeder episode is it, it's shit that i that I think about still. And it's what I, one of the couple of things that I really go back to is. Yeah. I mean, and I just want to thank you for being willing to go there, you know? And like, I think that's the thing is the bands that you love the most, the art you love the most, it's because of shit like that. And I Mm -hmm. think, I think that's the thing is I think hiding from that, hiding from that, like honesty and earnestness of like experience um ultimately is why i'm glad we there there are forms like this that exist for us to have conversations like that you know and like be able to talk about these things because writing it down i think it feels different like i think it feels more real hearing people talk about it and talk about the struggles that led them to things that made them connect to things and similarly i think about the stories you told on that episode all the time like not in a uh not a bad way but just like in the way of like all right like it's a bond forever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and having that bond with you now on top of a song I already loved is just like, it's such a nice thing that I could not have projected coming into this, that it's like now got an even deeper association that I would have not, it, we couldn't have foretold that. We never talked about it. Right. You know, yeah. and that's, it's fucking crazy to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you for, uh, Thanks for everything, bud. It's been it's been fun. And moments like that are what I'll always remember. Oh jeez, you got me. You got me, David. <sighs> it's it isn't it like fucking it's really magical when you're 
when you're doing something, when you're creating something and you, you think this is what it, it, it will be and what it'll be like. And when you hit onto levels that you're not expecting, that's magic. Um, yeah. I, I, I love you and, uh, love you too. Fucking buddy. this is all right. All right. David, what is number two on number your list? two um yeah it's it's a song our uh buddy brennan kelly picked queen of pain hell yeah um i fucking love this song i'm sorry it is uh it's it's a track that like um i don't know it's one that from when i first heard it and still hear it now i think it's so brilliantly put together and mm-hmm. it is to me um indicative of where they would go on good morning and there are a couple good morning songs that didn't make my list but i feel could have but i feel like this is like the first attempt at something they fucking nail it i think matt's imagery his vocal performance i love the guitar tones Derek's drumming on this when you really isolate it he's basically just like hi-hat snare most of the time but it feels so so different in spots Mm -hmm. it just feels like to me when they're bringing in a new member and he is just when we talk about how much we love Glenn, Glenn could never play that song that way. Yeah. And I don't think playing this song any other way would do it justice. And it's just a like moment in time kind of song that has always stuck out to me as just being incredibly special. Uh, yeah. And yeah, one I will never, ever tire of. I wish they could uh, perform it more accurately live but when you've got three guitar tracks and you're a trio sometimes concessions have to be made i vividly remember hearing this song for the first time and just like the lead oh and the tone on it was so insane Mm-hmm. and then his voice it's just like i mean i know that he said like so many times that those were just not fun times for recording. He obviously talked more about it with good morning when you did the Mm. rank your records thing, but you know, for what he was going through, the way he channeled his vocals on these songs are just such an incredible document. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's just when, when it drops out and it's just him and the guitar, on those first lines, it's like the most arresting thing in the world to me. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was like, man, like is this is what his voice is going to sound like forever now. Like this is crazy. Yeah, um, and it did for a little while, uh, <laughs> but Holy shit, man. It's just like, it's it to me. This song has always kind of been synonymous with like a kiss the bottle where it's just like, <sighs> yeah. it, it, it really kind of locks in where it's this, if you're in, you're like really in and you fucking love it so much, but you kind of had to be looking for it to find it at that time. And, and that's what I've kind of always viewed this one as, especially even with like the fucking subject matter. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's another example of just like where this band starts and like where they end up and the, the way that they get there is like, how could you have predicted that Five years from when you started the band, you have this song that sounds like this. Yep. And it's because your voice is shredded. Yep. 
You've put um, it all into this thing so hard for five years, and it's showing. I have obviously turned this song and this the episode of this podcast into the greatest long-running bit of all time, uh, uh-huh. as if I had beef with Jeremy, uh, who I met that day. Um I'm editing a uh, first ever podcast, which you all should just dis- uh, subscribe to. You don't Good have podcast. to hear me. You just you just will notice the crisp and clear audio. That's why they named me Crisp. Um, <laughs> but Didn't see that coming somehow. <laughs> incredible, right? Yeah, good right? turn. I'm good just, turn. I'm j- I just I, I I always find a way. I'm like Lewis mm-hmm. Stevens. Yeah, um, I literally didn't see it coming. Uh, I I want to point out because i don't know if i've said this on the record but that day that we recorded i think i just come back from new orleans for where and i was there for wrestlemania that's right and um one of the funnier things about that recording was that we were in the uh the, the do we House. start on the Medill House, that's where we started the podcast. That's where we started, was on the Medill House, because you just moved in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't live there uh, for too long. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Ryan. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Ryan and Michelle. Yes. Um, you got invited to that wedding? Yes. Yeah, I didn't. That's. Okay. I mean, there were like five friends there, so it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> you have to make the cut. Yeah. Uh, the top five friends. Wow. Um. Chloe was having a real uh, anxious day, I think, yep. just because I'd, I'd just come home and then uh-huh. we were in uh, in my bedroom recording. And I think Chloe was kind of like, hey, you, you got to be it's touching me at all time. times. Yes. And and me, I was like, um, man, I just had a really weird weekend of being like super sick in new orleans and i'm not sure what's going on i don't feel very good right now for this episode um hopefully i feel better soon and mm-hmm. then one year later they pulled out the appendix the problem that was leaking <laughs> yep i also remember how cramped it was the way we had to set it up in that room because it was very small yeah uh man what a wild day in retrospect for all of those reasons um, yeah yeah Real and because that was like episode like five. No, it was a it was a little bit later. Okay, um, I don't remember exactly. I, but it, my point being, it was very early. It was early for sure. Um, for sure. And that was, you know, when we were like, oh, maybe we'll start having guests on this thing. And then I, you know, we've done it a few times. I'm I'm very happy with all the ones we did. I feel like we doing three was somehow perfect to me. Like I feel like we really triangulated on some good guests there. Well, you know why? Why? Alkaline Trio, obviously um but i think i kind of also realized that the the best parts of the show were just you and me doing this and like it's cool to hear from other people but like i feel like it, it's it's i always want to cede to them you know yeah and what i think is nice about this is the interplay mm-hmm. like we're having now i also think too one of the things that i've appreciated just in in doing podcasts for uh a while is that Booking a guest, bringing a guest onto your podcast takes a lot of work. Yep. And when you listen to um, podcasts that do have frequent guests, um, 
that's something to appreciate is the fact that there are usually a lot of people that are working. working that and the fact that you're, you know, able to experience that is a testament to a lot of people doing a lot of great work. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. What do you got next, bud? What do I got next? Yeah, it's number four. Number four. Remember at the beginning when one was like, hit me with a random number. It'll be fun. Oh, uh, give me number four. <laughs> All on black, baby. It was on my short list. Can't be denied. Can't be denied. It was on my short list, too. And I kind of like, I was kind of like wanting something else. Yeah. For it. The only other songs that I that could have replaced it were Continental and Emma. I mean, you kind of triangulated a, a problem I ran into, which was selecting all of those and being like, okay, which I, I like really couldn't get past, which is the one, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I, it really came down to, is it continental or is it all in black? And Same. those songs are so fucking great and so similar, but also so different that I was like, I don't know if they replace one another. And, but I do feel like my queen of pain pick was a little bit, me saying like that song needed to happen for them to do those types of songs mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. um because i think that's where they continue to like really knock it out of the park on that vibe yeah i think that um i think that continental is just such or um all on black is such a crazy build up just to that and which um I mean, that's a very simple guitar part that they're playing to, like, take us off into the sunset. But it's oh, just, it gets me every time. It's perfect. That the little, like, uh, cymbal accents that Derek throws. Everything about it is so fucking expertly put together. And to your point, like, this is the, uh, like, platonic ideal of what I think of when I think of, like, what is their best song that has all the bells and whistles? Mm-hmm. The little effects, the little, like, noises. Yeah it's just it's so dialed in and every choice is fucking perfect in a I way that like is wild to me yeah i don't repeat anything from the same album so i think that this is just like everything that's great about good morning to me is here in this song yep i i agree a thousand percent and if i remember correctly this was one of our first five stars that we jointly gave and it felt like a big moment because i remember this was pretty early and we were like fuck like we both feel the way about that song like i'm good more like yeah and i i I very vividly remember that experience as well which is kind of funny because it's like in picking some of these like i knew i would kind of be flooded with some of those memories of like us talking about these songs and that's one that i very very vividly remember yeah that was that was a good episode um and i think a, a good episode just because like how could it not be mm-hmm. We're, mm-hmm. we're we're talking about just like i think textbook perfection yeah yeah i could not i mean i only have the best possible things to say about the song and it did not make my list bobby Orr, number four number four this is a song that um i was talking about how i was trying to not do songs that felt really duplicative of what others do Mm-hmm. And this is the song that is the reason that Bleeder didn't make it, and it's You're Dead. B 
because it is a very important song to me personally. Those two are basically linked in my brain and will be forever mm-hmm. for the things we talked about. And I just kind of, I really only wanted to give myself one of those type. I think there is, <laughs> when putting together this top five, the reason there was 15 is there were like five, like my personal emotional journey songs. Yeah. Like five, like, like really like transformative, great, just alkaline trio songs and like five, just like great songs. And mm-hmm. I was trying to make my top five some like mix of those and this is the one that would probably be like one or two on the like emotional personal journey list and uh yeah that's why it's here yeah also um great episode of of the podcast um yeah you know it's on your oscar reel that's for sure i uh if i was ever to get a daytime emmy it would be for <laughs> talking about your dead by the alkaline trio. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a song that you're not you're not the first person who I've I've talked to about um, having a very very big personal connection to it, and mm-hmm. um, I as well. And there are certain things that just sort of uh, surpass any critical analysis. Yeah, I mean, this is... And I think that's the thing, is the reason I put this here over Bleeder is that, like, to me, if I'm being honest, I think Bleeder is the better song. Mm -hmm. But so much of being a fan of something and so much being, like, deeply invested in something is having those connections that aren't really logical, that aren't really explainable. They just are. And yeah. like, I think your dead is a very good song, but it's like, it was such a like altering moment for me as a person. that it's like, well, it's kind of got to be there, you know, like, and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, that's why I'm really glad you picked bleeder. Cause I feel like it opens up this kind of conversation of like the difference between like what is objectively good art and just like, what is like, well, yeah, but I really fucking like it. And yeah, I just really fucking like the song. Um, And I I think it's the, the good parts of it. I think it it is well-written. I think it's well-performed, but the bluntness of it, whereas bleeder is much more missing a case, lacking a lid. And this is like, you're dead. (laughs) I'm like, they're two very different experiences. And I think I needed that bluntness. And I think that was the appeal of this band at a point in time is just like, yeah, they were just kind of fucking saying it. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Yeah. And um, that type of shit always means a lot. I think for for me, a song that uh, was on the shortlist but didn't make it, um, San Francisco had <sighs> yep. that Up there. exact effect for me where it was just like, I was drinking you goodbye. Yep. Yep. I'm there. Yeah. That's the thing is like, there are so many songs that I think, you know, I'm not saying my list, like to return to the, like, if I was trying to get someone in this band, I don't know if I would pick these five songs I picked, Mm -hmm. but as someone who's like deeply into it, these are ones that really jump out to me. And I think, you know, really reflecting on it offered me things like that because I think so much of the charm of San Francisco, a lot of fucking God damn it. And maybe I'll catch fire. was just like the, 
pure ugliness and honesty. Yeah. You know, there was there was metaphor and, and, and simile, but it was mostly just like, I'm drinking you goodbye. I feel like fucking dog shit. At 4 p.m., the beers are four bucks. At 5 p.m., the beers are five. like, it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, you don't have to overdo it because it, it's that idea that life is already weird enough. You don't have yeah. to invent shit. And that kind of just like brutal honesty is what grabbed me. And like in your dead, the like references to like if assholes could fly, this place would be busier than O'Hare. It's like mm-hmm. I was a kid and I was like, oh, I get that. I get yeah. what that means. And yeah. it was probably the first time I heard that phrase, which is like obviously, you know, if you're older, it probably doesn't have the same impact. But like at 11, it, it was like, whoa, that's cool. Did he invent that? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, and, Obviously, the answer was no. But, I mean, I, I knew this one was going to be on my list no matter what. And, yeah, just just kind of had to be. Hell, yeah. What's your number two? Jake Don Green Beers. Woo, baby. A real smoker. Just a total smoker. Um, nothing really like this one in the catalog. Nope. Um, and... It, it it comes with just the total excitement um, of this band at this time. They're the first song on the Atticus compilation. Oh, it's yeah. it's honestly, I think if you look at if you look at the the legacy of this band, the career of this band, like there this song like on the atticus comp is you know it's it's a pretty big moment it's like Mm -hmm. it's like they played saturday night live it's it's really one of the the like you know biggest achievements i think for the band that i was rooting for more than any other band at that moment and it just burns through Mm-hmm. in a way that was like i think around that time too i was also like getting a little bit more into hardcore and this isn't a hardcore song but it no fucking moves and well, it's just it's just so triumphant and well, it's it's not to interrupt you but i mean it's just like that feeling of like you were saying rooting for this band being super invested and i just remember at that time as we've talked about buying every comp they were on and knowing this was going to be a big deal because of Atticus and the Blink connection, which funny in hindsight, mm-hmm. um, but putting it on and just being like, they fucking crushed it. Yeah. Yep. And like, even though there's other good stuff on there, it's like nothing is beating that. Mm-hmm. Nothing is beating that. And that feeling is fucking intoxicating. Yeah. I mean, it's like, the, it's a sports metaphor, you know, it's, it's so many things, but like triumph is i think what i what i take from it the most and it's just i don't know unbelievable track and like as somebody who was a bass player at the time can't like hell yeah like i'm I'm doing that every time (laughs) well that's the thing i want to talk about too is this is another like perfect showcase of every player in the band Mm -hmm. and in multiple ways where it's like Derek's drumming on this is fucking batshit, but like the the riffing is great, but also one of the rare times they're really doing the call and response like that, 
And this song and old school reasons are two that are linked in my brain for being like those like A plus comp tracks that have that dynamic. Yeah. Um, and I loved getting this and being like, Oh, there's there, even though this is a Matt song, they are showcasing Dan. Yeah. And yeah. that I really loved Cause I was always, especially at that age, so drawn to bands that had two really good singers, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't know. I think this is like a platonic ideal and also a very singular song in yeah. there. Canon, and i'm glad you picked it it's not on my list but it's again in contention um all right number three crawl um yeah yeah it's you said it on uh i believe the patreon of it being their best closer and i was gonna agree and say yes but i didn't want to tip my hand for this because it's their best fucking closer um and it's absolutely wild to have the only record that i have two songs from is from here to infirmary but i think um the thing this kind of speaks to is one that like really hit me in the moment and has stayed with me and one that i liked in the moment and it's really grown into a song i fucking love where it's like it's one of the few songs where it's like if i go see them play play live and they don't play crawl i'm a little bummed because it's Mm -hmm. a killer live track Matt's additional vocals we've talked about that he does live, the crawl there shit. A plus. A plus. It's just fucking perfect. It's, this is a song that like, for as long as it is, it being on the longer end of an Alkaline Trio song, being kind of slow to mid-paced, kind of lumbering, every single part of it works. It's so emotional. It's so honest it's so hooky it's so heavy it's so open it's just everything that i think like good songwriting can be is exemplified in this song to me mm-hmm. it's just fucking great unbelievable chorus with a, a oh. melody like you you don't hear it like too often just because i feel like every ounce of the band is into hitting that Never ran away for the oh. sake. Mm-hmm. And just like I think too, it's it's something that like you really grow to appreciate with age too, because I mean, um, unless you made a smart choice early on, uh, when you get old, you learn what a hangover is, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. what a fucking great hangover document. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, I think this is a song that appealed to me as an 11 year old. And then like as a 23 year old, I was like, fuck, like, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just God that that ending outro coda thing where like the, the bass so really cool. carries it out and just mm-hmm. and I think it, this hits on something that we've talked about a lot. And I, I really want to restate now that we're at the end and kind of looking at a lot of these songs is. Both Matt and Dan's, I think, emotional capacity to write these songs about, like, love and relationships that never really um, treat the other person like an object or necessarily, like, demonize them for not giving what they want. It doesn't fall into those traps that a lot of emo stuff does. And um, to quote uh, Jessica Hopper, who, uh, when talking about Jawbreaker, once said, you know, you really felt like there was a person on the other side of those songs. Yeah. I, I think yeah. Alkaline Trio is that same way. I think they really understood 
that like these were people they were singing about and whether it's fucking like clavicle or message from Kathleen or like there are so many good examples of them really showing you not just their perspective, but that there is another person involved in a way Mm -hmm. that feels really authentic. And I think this song shows the messiness of being in your early twenties and living in a city and like trying to find yourself and meaning and other people. And it, I just think it's so fucking so well done. Um, and yeah, I, this was one of the first ones I wrote down because I was just like, I mean, it's fucking gotta be there for Mm -hmm. me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just want to give props to Dan, who, though I think a lot of my absolute personal favorites are Matt songs, it's kind of like this weird thing where it's like, all right, like if you know, there would be like a top, if there's a top 15, 12 of them would be Matt songs. Yeah, sure. But then 16 through 30 are heavily Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great way to put it. That's a yeah. really, really great way to put it. Um, but the couple that squeak up yeah, are just like <clears throat> so good to me, you know? And, and yeah, that's the thing is I didn't, I didn't pick any of his songs from good morning and that was tough because I love those songs, but they aren't, they aren't those. I love them in the context of the record. I love them as they are, but like the ones that are really special like this, I think are just, they're on another level to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. That Coda, man. Oh, baby. Um, all right. What's your number three? Still thinking about that Coda. Um, <laughs> number three, for your lungs only. Um, yeah. Go. I, knew you would, I knew you would do that. I did the double uh, chef's kiss, two hands. Um, this is... This is one of the Alkaline Trio songs that still feel like a mystery. There's mm-hmm. there's not a lot of context to it. Yeah. Um you you don't really know where this comes from. I mean that the line about the sun sits out in the sun oh. and that's what he calls father is like you know, I think that there's something really, really potent in the early parts of this band where, to me, and I'm obviously speculating here, sure. but that line, I see Matt, like, on his bike coming up with that line. Yep. And that line goes down in a notebook somewhere. Or may, you know, maybe it's maybe it's more direct than that, but it's not really linked to anything else. Yep. And and it it's so it's so incredible. And just like, you know, hanging a hook on repercussion. Oh my god. And that Brilliant. riff, which is just so sloppy. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll sit my hand here because I only got one song left, but it's Me not too. by Dan. But when it comes to Dan, Dan, Dan is what makes this song really, really something on another level to me. That just like it, yeah. it wouldn't have been the same if it were 
Rob Doran. No shade on Rob Doran. But no, no, Dan, no. in his, you know, hyperactive playing at that time, just gives a bass line that seems like it's from another dimension. And I really love, like, the the chaos of everything that's in the song. It's 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 an early seven inch song. Mm-hmm. Um you can hear it in the basement. Yep. Uh one of them I mean this is it didn't make my list, unfortunately, right up there. It was one nipping at the heels, like I said. Mm-hmm. And to me this is a fucking perfect punk song for everything you just said. Everything you said I agree with one hundred percent. And I to me this is just when I think of early alkaline trio, when I think of early, like that era of punk, this is one of the songs I think of. And it's just, this is a magnificent song. I, and and one of the big things that I think the early era of this band imprinted on me, which makes sense as to where I'm at in my music discovery now is songs need to have a riff for me. Mm-hmm. There's gotta be a musical hook. And in the early songs, this cringe Nova's over tail, like a lot of these, they were riffing. They were putting songs down that, like, when they weren't singing, there was a melodic line for you to remember. Yeah. And they weren't just doing, you know, they were doing four chords, but they were fucking jumbling them up and not hitting them. And, the, like, they were moving all over the fretboard. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when it drops out and Dan does is like, like, it's, it's just controlled, focused chaos with lyrics that, like, yeah, whatever they're about, they speak to me. Yeah. Yeah. I it, it's it's a really abstract song. It's a really chaotic song. I know I I already used that word, but I really love the end of it. Just mm. the, you know, there's something in that tone too where he when he hasn't found his tone yet. Oh he's he has to work extra hard to make those octaves sing and to make it sound the way it's supposed to sound like yeah. you hear you hear him pushing up the limits of what he knows how to do and yeah. knows how to get and there's just so much there's something so special about that mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. man what a fucking perfect encapsulation of everything that like punk rock has always exemplified for me, which is just like, you don't have to know how to do it right. You just have to know how to make what you want to make. And like, this is exactly that. Like so many decisions are not the quote unquote correct decision of like tone, structure, parts, lyrics. And they just do them so well that you're like, I can't imagine this being another way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really something, man. Great pick great pick thanks i still love being able to impress you yeah i mean your list is great mine is a little i went in different direction but all of yours could have been on mine is the thing so like i think the majority of yours were on my short list too yeah um and that's what makes this band so special you're the best i love you so much likewise i know so we each have what number one left yeah you know what? I'll go first because I think I don't think I've stated yours. Your number one. My okay. number one has been stated. Oh, okay. I was wondering if we were going to get the same one. Um, 
But I think I know what your number one is. Interesting. All right, you go. Give me yours, and then you try and guess mine. My number one Alkaline Trio song of all time is Queen of Pain. Boom. Hell yeah, baby. It, you know, I've said most of the things that I I could say about this song. Um, And for me personally, you know, my Alkaline Trio is and has always been a, a band has been maybe like the band where like this is how I learned how to play music was playing mm-hmm. Alkaline Trio songs. Mm-hmm. And like I I learned so much from them and I mimicked what they were doing and this is also one of the ones that just it spoke directly to the type of song that I would want to write. Oh, and yeah. it also, um, it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but, uh, in high school, I was a cutter. Really? And yeah. And the, You've got a funny way of showing off your bathroom surgery. It's it's a smart way of saying what he's saying without saying it. Mhm. Mhm. If you don't know what he means, that's probably because you're not really supposed to. Yep. The person he's saying it to knows exactly what he means. And part of my experience um, going through that time was, you know, that's a cry for help. And for me, I was also showcasing this. Mm -hmm. And I wanted my, I wanted it to be seen because I needed, I needed to reach out. And that line has always just read as, to me, just the most empathetic way of saying to someone who you love and care about, like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that I have always just attached that kind of empathy in in Matt's writing to any anything that I would ever want to like try and create it's just that like how do I speak to you in a way that's like you know just reaching out in a thoughtful manner Mm -hmm. um and you know at the time too and it's and it still is like it's a killer line it's cool it sounds fucking awesome yeah and there's a few of them that i think hit for me yeah that same level of empathy and showing of understanding and care like the like i've never you know seen scars like yours like there's a lot of like just like i'm seeing you and i care about you as you are that comes through this song to me Mm -hmm. um and Again, I think it's his ability, like I was saying 
for some of these other songs, like his ability to like really show the other person as a person Mm -hmm. and not just an object. And that's fucking killer. And for me, one of my favorite Matt Skiba lines of all time of all time told me once I made you smile. We both know damn well. I didn't is like, I just like beyond what I think other people could do. Um, Yeah. It's so simple, but man, like, yeah, I think there's just so much power. And I think that's the thing is like what I was talking about with your dad and like, this is like that feeling of being seen by the art and understood and not knowing for me, it was the first time I knew that could happen. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't just good songs. I like, they were songs I felt understood by, and I, there were songs I felt like I was, you know, having someone who understood my thing without judgment. And it that's what makes them, I think, the band that people love in the way that we do or others do. Is that like, it's that, it's that experience. It's that feeling. The shit you're not articulating and holding inside. And then you hear it and you're like, holy, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know I needed that. Yeah. And I, I think too that i'll I'll always i'll always just be in love with the way that this sounds and how circumstantial it is you know you think about the the palm muted chorus you know maybe it does play that same way if he's not having problems with his voice at the time Mm -hmm. but at the same time in order to like deal with the restriction that we have here, the chorus is palm muted. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's like, it's like fucking hearing the story about like, you know, in jo- when they made Jaws, the shark just didn't work the entire time. And so mm-hmm. what, what becomes the tension of that movie? The fact that you never see the shark, you only yep. see the fin. Um, I, yeah, every, and I don't know, just like every component to it. The fact that that riff is so big, but they bring it down for him to just say, there's a fire forming not too far from here is like, holy shit. The fucking foundation that you just laid to come in so quietly Mm. with that line. And it's like that, if there's a book about this song, it's like that line just gets its own page. Well, I'm even going to build off of that. That's incredible. What really puts the song over for me too is the little detail. So there's a fire forming not too far from here out on the East coast, maybe like Derek is just playing off the lyrics. His decisions of when fills happen of when builds happen are all contingent on not musical cues, but what Matt is saying. Because yeah. otherwise he would be doing them on top of them to fit into the rhythm and meter. Instead, Matt says something and he reacts to it. And that yeah. is what makes this song so fucking unparalleled to me. Is It's the full package of understanding how and why and when every decision should be made why things should fall that way and like the jaws example is a perfect comparison because there's just tension that you're not seeing and then when it explodes at that end with a big pick slide it's like oh the shark's out of the water Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're just with it yeah and 
his loud chorus, it's, it's just like he's doing literally everything he can to make this go big. And it's mm-hmm. so imperfect. It doesn't matter. It fucking could never matter. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is that big end, which which I love, too, is because Derek's really holding down the like... But mm-hmm. it's all what escalates is the kick drum. The kick drum is flying at the end with the boo doo 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 da, da, da. Like he's just pushing it so it hits you more in your chest than it does in your head. Yeah. You know, where it's giving you that rhythmic push at the end and sense of propulsion while just holding the beat in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's imperfect, but it just comes together. And even the way. It trails off at the end with those last little notes hanging on of the guitar and the like, like everything about that is something that only happens when people are that locked in with one another. Yeah. And it's why, like, as much as I love Yara with Glenn and what he brought to this band, it's the shit like that that to me really shows that they were in sync and together and just like maybe the most powerful creative unit they had been at that point in the band's history. Um, Dude, one thing I have to say is that I'm so, so grateful for your perspective as a drummer because what you just said about the kick drum, I didn't know that until you said it and I realized, like, oh, my God. Yeah, that is... That's the thing. That's the thing that's happening that is emotionally what I'm reacting to. And that's a fucking such a great point. And also, too, I I would have to say that is probably a decision that Derek made because of what Matt was going through vocally. Because if he's Mm -hmm. if he's hitting symbols, if he's building on symbols, that's going to like throw off the balance that's just going to take away from the vocal yeah if you've not heard it derek uploaded an isolated drum track of queen of pain to his youtube oh listen to it yeah because it's i think that's the thing is when people shit on derek and say he's not as good at glenn or whatever there's a lot of subtlety that i think gets a little buried but like when you see just how much he's putting in especially in that end part it's fucking mind-blowing and I think that's the thing is like, I mean, this song for me has always been deeply important to me personally, like everything. This one checks all the boxes to me in terms of what is a great song. And I'm so stoked you picked it. And it's nice. I appreciate you sharing why that connection feels even deeper because like, yeah, I had no idea you had not shared that before, but that's why we decided to do this whole thing. Dude, because fucking Jeremy came on and was, like, talking about no effects. Like, dude, hello, can you see the fact that my dog is stressed out that you're here, doesn't want you here? Um, I'm in such pain. I am king, queen, and prince of pain mm-hmm. right here. I Did you notice how small this room is? My bed and my desk are the only thing that fit in here, and we have three humans and one dog. Um, but yeah, first ever podcast. Subscribe. Uh, Laura Stevenson is on this week. Hmm. I set that up. You know. Well done. Yeah. Jeremy doesn't know that this is a bit that exists. I've never 
I've never broached that subject, which really? I find to be very, very cute because it's the best yeah. bit ever. First ever bit on a podcast. I do have to guess your number one. Now, I know that it's not a song that we've talked about. Correct. And I'm... See, here's the thing that's holding me up. Because we just discussed the best album closer from the Alkaline Trio. And while this song is is technically an album closer, it is Mm -hmm. not an album closer because that was Mm -hmm. a compilation album. My guess for your favorite Alkaline Trio song is the song 97 by the Alkaline Trio. Well, Tim, I don't want to let you down, but it's 97 by the Alkaline Trio. Uh, The first song the band ever wrote. um, Which is the fucking coolest fact. Yeah. um, Insane fact. Uh, Also insane, it wasn't on the first 7-inch, but was just on a comp and like... I don't know, man. I remember hearing this song for the first time and just being absolutely floored by it. And um, similar to what we talked about, we're just talking about with Queen of Pain, band firing on all cylinders. This is not exactly that, but I could not imagine three dudes getting in a room and putting this down as the very first thing they worked on. And I think this song for me, for basically my entire life, has exemplified everything that I think this band can do and does well. It has every type of moment. It has every type of part. It has every type of expression. It has lyrics that feel obtuse. And then when you learn what they mean, they're just kind of dumb. And it's just, it's exactly what I think of when I think of them. It's so honest and playful and truthful while being about weed. Uh, um, (laughs) I I don't know. It's just, it's been my number one for so long that it wasn't even a question of what it was going to be just because there were periods of my life where I would just listen to it fucking endlessly. And I think there's just so much going on that is imperfect and speaks to my love of that type of music where it's just, this is such a raw, honest expression that it doesn't matter if the backing vocals sound like fucking Millhouse. It doesn't matter if like Matt's, you know, just like the guitar tone is atrocious and like literally Glenn is just basically playing like a drum solo for the entire time. Like it's just everything that I think exemplifies like, Oh, to me, this is what punk can be is it really can be anything. This isn't a three chord punk song. This isn't, easy to play this isn't just like some simple fucking thing like it can be ambitious it can be honest it can be emotional about whatever the fuck it is that is honest and emotional to you and that's where this band started that's what i think almost every single song we've talked about this episode exemplifies Mm -hmm. and i think that is the energy that carried them through a certain point in their career and it's when that melted away is when appropriately I think I had issues with some of the material and I've come on the other side with a lot of it and found different things. But this song just represents what I felt Chicago punk was. And that being basically the closest musical movement to me from where I grew up and what I got to experience. It's just one of those things that is like, 
you know, there would have been a, so many other Alkaline Trio songs that could have taken the spot if it didn't exist. But I think it represented to me the fact that, like, yeah, three people in a fucking basement without all the right gear can write one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. And it's literally why we're here doing this today. And for me, at least. Um, just just a perfect song to me. And, like, that opening riff. Oh, my God. And just the patience of it mm-hmm. is like remarkable yep. that um that they were able to pull that off and to be so deliberate in a situation where you're you know i think when bands first start there's real pressure about like grabbing everybody's attention right Mm. away and like you know you don't want to give them space to think like "Eh, i don't i don't know about this but just the pauses at the beginning are just like so metered so fucking tight Mm -hmm. and there's just so much like going on and there's so little there is so much room happening on this song just Mm -hmm. like think about how much you can hear just that that like slide up that matt does yep at the end of the intro yep and i mean playing around with that kind of like intricacy and delicacy in a punk song Mm -hmm. first one you're trying and hearing it, I was just like, this is unlike anything else they do, you know? Riffs like that never really work their way in ever again. And to me, the song also exemplifies a drummer playing to that, of like when the stops are with mm-hmm. those notes. And like how he, you know, Glenn's playing with the slide. And there's just the fact it kind of retains that when it gets loud, you know, and how they're stopping and just playing off one another. And, and the fact that like, yeah, that's not how songs are supposed to go. Um, but it does anyway, and it does it better than any than a lot of songs that follow the rules, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's what, you know, I used this line when I wrote about Bleeder for the Vulture Greatest Emo Songs list. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very true of this one, too, which is, like, they're trying to write the songs that are on dear you, but they are currently recording on fun. Yeah. And that type of thing is so palpable in early alkaline trio. And, um, it's why that stuff casts such a long shadow for me because that is such a specific energy. And I can't think of another band that had it. That's a really, really great read on it. Great way to put it just like you know linking this to a song like accident prone which i mean jawbreaker utilized space but it felt like they like accident prone is like the culmination of of something it's like they really really put years into Mm -hmm. getting 
there. And to, yep. you know. And that's where that's where this band starts. And like it's not where they end up. No, and that's the thing is like to me, I think that's always been the compelling thing is they feel like the picking up of that lineage because they're writing the song clearly in 1996. Uh-huh. Do you came out a year prior? Yeah. And I think so much of that early stuff is really focused on this, like this, trouble breathing, bleeder, fucking all that stuff I think is really pulling from that songbook and they almost go the other way where they start with those kind of grandiose ambitions. I mean, even fucking radio, like, and mm-hmm. slowly start focusing more and more on just being more direct. And, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I think that's the thing. It's like when bands start a certain place, they don't always end up there, but I think... Or, or, like, they end up somewhere very different, rather. And I think it's just cool because, like, yeah, had this stuff not gotten released, had they, like, you know, like, all right, well, let's not, like, release these songs or record these songs. Let's just keep writing. I think a very crucial part of this band's history would be lost. And the fact that, like, this and even listening to the original recordings of the demo songs, the fact that there's, like, Week Week and, like, fucking all these other tracks that are, like, become classics. It's just, like they had something from the word go in a way that, I mean, I can't even say that about like the jawbreaker demos. I can't say that about a lot of other things. They, it just, really it appeared can't fully say formed. That about too many things. Yeah. Um, it, just like the fucking pause at the beginning of the verse. Mm-hmm. It's just like, man, it's kind of like, they bring this up in like the the Ken Burns baseball documentary at the, at the mm-hmm. beginning where it's just like, you know, 90 feet. And, you know, the, the distance between home plate and the pitcher's mound. And like, yeah, if it if it was any more or less, like, think about how different that would be. Mm-hmm. And like God, this song is just like so dialed in and so smart and so precise and it sounds like shit yep um and i think too that like you know with it being as vague as it is when you get to i don't deserve this you end the song with just saying i don't deserve this um not too many uh ways you can get to that phrase and really not just kill your entire song yep yeah i mean the fact that works that that bridge is not only not overwrought but perfectly executed the way it builds Mm -hmm. the way that like glenn flips off his snare to get that extra deep like tone out of it yeah. And just builds and builds and builds and then goes into what I think exemplifies so much of what is important and what I love about early Alkaline True is they let the music carry you out. They let that do the talking and feel like the emotional punch mm-hmm. as opposed to putting it into words. And it lets you feel either triumphant or crushed or whatever based on your read, not their our authorial intent. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fucking bold yeah to do i i think it's very hard to do well and i think it's just it it's so fucking crucial and 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 
just a master class in Glenn's drumming. I remember when I was uh, I worked at a music school in high school and I was like talking to the drum teacher who was like a very like nice gregarious guy, but like into, you know, John Bonham Rush. and all that mm-hmm. shit, all that shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, what do you like? I was like, Oh, listen to song 97. And he, he was like, Oh, this is kind of sound like whatever. This is punk stuff. And then like a week later, he's like, yeah, I've been listening to that song. Like, it's pretty crazy. Like at the end when he's doing that roll and hitting the high end shit. And I was like, yeah, it's cause he's like a, like a left-handed dude playing a right-hand kid. He's like, Holy fuck. I couldn't figure out how he was doing it. Like, oh, that's and awesome. just like seeing like that type of energy where it's like, yeah, like even these like old rock dudes, like there's something there. Yeah. If you're willing to, if you can get past the, the kind of dirt and grime and ugliness that's there, there's, there's a lot of beauty to it. And, yeah. and I think, yeah, I, I mean, I remember, like you said, learning how to play their songs is how I learned how to play music. And this was a song that when I first heard, I was like, I need to learn how to fucking do this. Yeah. And it, it, it literally everything I've written has been not trying to replicate this, but are lessons I learned from it. And to me, I think it's something that's really important, which is like to not lose that freedom and to not lose that fact that like that is the goal. Songs like this are the goal. I don't mm. want to write a pop song. I want to write a song like this every time I pick up an instrument. And if I'm not doing that, that's fine. But that is always what I want. It's always what I strive for. And I think it's what, obviously, you know me well, it's what I tend to gravitate towards in music yeah. uh, is shit that falls a little more in, on this side of things. Um, and that's, that's why they uh, were, are, always will be uh, a, f- a favorite band of mine. Um, I, that should be the, the note that we end on, but I am going to put one more point mm-hmm. out there. You, I mean, we've got limited time in this <laughs> podcast. You got to do it now. With regards to the lyrics, um, you know, people have faced much worse consequences than 18 months probation mm-hmm. um, for far less. Um, but. I don't deserve this works because of the fact that it's true. I think. Yeah. I think that like, even though it is a little like goofy to, you know, find out that, Oh, this song is actually, you know, it's about pot. It is about a really, really fucked up thing that happens and has been happening. And is like slowly, happening less Mm -hmm. but still happens um and i think to that point it's about the fact that like people who you know i don't want to say matt was struggling but like we know the details of his early life college dropout bike messaging whatever just trying to deal with um being alive in a system that grinds you down just looking for any release and that being taken away from you Mm -hmm. regardless of what it is it's it's not fun it's a difficult thing and it can be a little juvenile for sure. But I think, I think there's honesty that speaks louder to your point about that. Like there's just a a structure that always kind of keeps us from being able to do what we want to do. And I think this is a song that obliquely understands that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great pick. Yeah. Great, great, great picks all around double chef's kiss to all the songs. Um, Editorial note, 
no goddamn it songs dude i know of us. i know well they, that's the thing is when i was talking about the different buckets yeah is there's one bucket that's just like those like transformative musical rippers yeah. cringe nose over tail like they were right on the cusp yeah but like yeah i mean they're like six through ten you know i know i know it's it's wild because like i i think that you know a lot of the songs that we have here are coming off of god damn it yep. um but your list for albums my list for albums that uh will be part of our zine that is gonna be uh available to anybody who subscribes to our patreon patreon.com slash as you were was um, was as you as was, you was as you is um god damn it one and two for uh both of us respectively but yeah it, it is an interesting little footnote that you know the are we we put together uh two top fives uh for songs that neither of them picked from our first and second favorite albums yeah and i think to uh to draw that out to go back to my like matt wrote the top 15 dan wrote 16 through 30 Mm -hmm. is i think god damn it is one of those records where there's records with higher higher marks Mm -hmm. you know but consistently high marks they're kind of all bunched up there where it's like i picked two infirmary songs there's a lot of infirmary songs down near the 50s yeah good Mm -hmm. very good but like, I don't think there's a goddamn it song that's below fucking forty. Or, mm-hmm. You know, like it just, it just kind of is what it is. Maybe one, maybe one. Um, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week for the past few years, we've been talking about one Alkaline Trio song. We took this week as a just a way to just Have kind of fun. breathe in the good the good get the vibes man for um for a stretch of time that saw uh both of us uh getting uh put under Mm -hmm. have a bad time um a global pandemic have a bad time um this has been one of the coolest things that i've ever done in my entire life and so great um i would I feel like I would have been doing it no matter what. Um, yeah. But the uh, the fact of the matter is we've we've had a lot of uh, people who have been really really supportive, um, and that is really really amazing. Um, and we're very very thankful for it. We are extremely indebted to the topic and the people who um who built this catalog for us to mm-hmm. to talk about and even in our moments of criticism um changed my fucking life yeah same uh shouts to literally everyone who ever played an instrument or did anything to this band because guess what basically all of them wrote one of the greatest songs of all time at some point in their life, in my yeah. opinion. And yeah. uh that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. 
this um, has been a great way to spend this Saturday as we have spent many Saturdays in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I love you. Love you too, bud. Love this band. Love the listeners. Love everybody. I'm feeling it. (laughs) That's a different band, but I'm feeling it. We'll be back next week. We've got one song left. Uh, I don't know if you if you can figure out which one it is, but we'll talk about it next week and it's going to be great. It's all been great. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs>